The Forum Club is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Lakers ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Did you know that the app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate? Or that it's an easy two-tap checkout? Or that there are sports tickets, but not only sports tickets, but also music and theater tickets? Will that work? Works for me. I think it'll work for anyone who downloads and uses the GameTime app, which you can do by heading to the App Store or Play Store now to score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Forum Club. This is Basketball Reasons. I am Bill Oram, hosting tonight alongside Brett Dawson and Sasha. Following the Lakers' win over Miami, Brett, we are in the visitors' hockey locker room in Staples Center. The curtains are drawn. It makes you wonder what sorts of, I can't say halftime, in-between period speeches have been given, been, have been given by hockey coaches in this very room. Are they, are they called there's intermissions? Three, there's three periods in hockey. So, uh, we just witnessed the Lakers' seventh straight win, a 95-80 triumph over the Miami Heat. And we were just talking before we started recording, Brett, that really coming into this game, this seemed like the most appealing matchup and maybe the biggest um, challenge the Lakers have had maybe since opening night against the Clippers. You've got a Heat team that entered at 6-2, at and two, um, obviously has gotten great performances from Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo has been very good for them. Um, top and, four defense. Yes, yeah, a top four defensive team. Um and I think, you know, for the Lakers, this is a game where they're coming off a three-game road trip. They've had two days off. Um, this felt a little bit like a trap game for them. And for them to, they didn't quite lead wire to wire, but they were um, pretty dominant throughout. Built a big lead in the first quarter, kind of gave some of that back, and then ended up winning by 15 pretty comfortably. Um, just to go through a couple of the, the, the important numbers, Anthony Davis led the Lakers with 26 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. Uh, two blocks, excuse me, three blocks, two steals, um, 11 of 17 from the field. LeBron, 25 points, six assists, four rebounds, 10 of 19 from the field. And those were the only two Lakers players who scored in double digits, by the way. Not a game that really had a lot of um, narrative arc in it, I suppose, but really the thing that really stood out once again was this the defensive effort by the Lakers. They held, they held the heat to just 80 points. Um, and and really did not let any of their big guys really get off in the way that you would have been concerned about. Yeah, and I think one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league mm-hmm. coming in. Six uh, of 35 from three for the Six game. of 35, 17%. Uh, Jimmy Butler didn't make one. Tyler Hero was one for five. Kelly Olenek was one for six. They did a good job contesting. Frank Vogel said that, that the number said that they contested 88% of the Heat's shots. If you look at Synergy, they contested, I think, nine of – 16 jump shots, which is really good, or whatever the number was. Uh, um, maybe only 16 uncontested jump shots for the night, and the Heat shoot a lot of jump shots. The, the Lakers were really good defensively. And, look, they, they've got some stuff still to work through offensively. The Absolutely. Thing, the thing these guys keep saying is, and if you listen to the veteran guys on the team talk, Avery Bradley said it yesterday, LeBron James said it today, it's a good problem if your defense is ahead early because that's traditionally not what happens right. in the NBA. 
Um, the offensive stuff, I think, will work itself out. We can talk a little bit about the shooting, which I'm writing about. Um, I think ultimately this team is probably going to shoot. They're not going to shoot the ball as poorly as they are now. Um, Three-point shooting is a real thing. LeBron James was four for seven tonight. Everybody else was four for 25. That's not great. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, you go down the list. Kyle Kuzma still has not figured out his shot. I thought maybe he turned a little bit of a corner in the second half against uh, the Bulls the other night. That has not happened. He was one for seven from three and actually was a team worse, minus 11. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, um, you know, who I think is, he's kind of become the new anti-hero for Lakers fans where it's like, you know, this team is playing well. Like, if you're a Lakers fan, I don't know how you don't just, like, like ride for all these guys. But KCP was getting booed a little bit tonight. Legit booed. And, uh, and at one point booed for just for coming in the game. No, okay, the, booed the for second... coming in the game. But most importantly, was booed for not being able to identify Dawson's Creek on an in-game promotion. <laughs> did, like, none of the players did, knew it was Dawson's Creek. It did and KCP, I think, KCP, I think, Dwight Howard did know, Brett Dawson's Creek. Um, and I think I think KCP might have said Baywatch. There were several guys. Several who said guys. Baywatch, who several said guys. Baywatch. Just several and guys. Then, clearly, by the way, I just want to say several guys looked at that thing and said, "I don't know what it says about James Vanderbeek that he was mistaken for the Hoff by several Lakers players." Several guys were clearly like, "I don't know what white BS this is, but Baywatch seems like a good guess." <laughs> and and and, um, and so KCP gets it wrong, and there were a few people around me that were boo boo. I mean, like maybe his biggest miss of the night. Um, but so obviously that is something to watch. KCP has been really struggling from the field. I mean, I can really only I can only identify one moment this season where I felt like KCP was offensively a difference maker, and that was when he knocked down those back-to-back jumpers in San Antonio in what had been a tight game to give the Lakers the necessary separation. Um, he's a guy who is constantly billed as a good uh, perimeter shooter for this team, and he keeps coming back on big deals because the Lakers um, advertise him as an elite 3 and D player. I don't think there's any question that defensively he really is a top-notch uh, defender. He's great in space. He um, is, is good on the ball. Not Avery Bradley good, but pretty darn good. Um, but uh, the shooting has not been there over these three years. Um, he's had moments. He's had a couple of months here and there. But in terms of stringing it together for a whole season, that hasn't been there. Anyway, I digress. Um, Alex Caruso's dunk, I felt like, was a pretty major highlight. Um, Brett, did you talk to Caruso postgame? I did. What did he have to say about that dunk? He, so he said he grew up obsessed with dunks, which I think is an interesting fact to learn about Alex Caruso. He believes in them as momentum plays. He believes it's more important. Um, the, the two points are more important when you really get up and throw it down as opposed to just getting a layup. He, he gets himself going that way. He's really into it. He said that from the time he was like seven years old, he was jumping off of folding chairs to dunk and stuff like that. I, they matter to him. They matter to the crowd. I mean, I think it definitely gets the crowd energized when he does that. Um, and he's a man. He's a spectacular dunker. He's a really athletic player, and I know that like that's like a very like that's a very cliche thing to say about like, yeah. a white guy. But yeah. like surprisingly I mean, Alex, athletic. But like Alex Caruso is is six foot four, six yeah. foot, like, and he's bigger than you would think. But like he, the whole package, we talk about this all the time. He does not strike you as you know. I mean, I think the cliche is, oh, he looks like he should be an accountant. And and I know people who are like, you know, how many six foot five accountants have you had in your life? But but the reality is, I mean, the whole package of Alex Caruso makes him very deceptive at a lot of things. And I've been saying this since they signed him. He is such a solid player. I was watching him on one defensive play today where it's like it was just a basic play, but he, he rotated you know, clear across the court. Uh, he, chased, he chased Jimmy Butler on the ball, forced Jimmy Butler to make a pass, and then had the box out and got the rebound. It just was like a very solid um, defensive sequence for him. And he does that 
on virtually every possession. An unheralded, you know, I would even say he's, he's becoming a heralded sort of cult figure for this team, but has really been a, a, key, a bright spot for them. He's also, you know, um, cutting is a skill. It's mm-hmm. not something that everybody can do. He's really good off the ball offensively. He's a good cutter. He's good with the ball in his hands because he's a good passer. He had four assists tonight. But he also has a really good feel for when to cut. He and Anthony Davis have a nice chemistry in the way Crusoe plays off the ball when AD has it. Um, he, he's got a, a really well-rounded skill set. He can do a lot of different things. And they need guys who can't. This is the most basic thing in basketball, but it's true now more than ever. You need guys who can dribble, pass, and make a shot. And yeah. he can do all those things. Well, and and you talk about moving without the ball. That was a huge part of their ability to break the, heat, the Heat's 2-3 zone tonight. Because they did um, without making right. threes. Right. I mean, t- typically you break the zone defense by by knocking down threes and forcing teams to get, go man-to-man. The Lakers were not doing that. And they were they – were, they were, Winning that battle by operating with Anthony Davis out of the mid post, and and guys getting spots and knocking down you know easy shots. And so when when those shots weren't there for AD in, in the mid post or Javale McGee on the lob, um, it was guys cutting and you know and 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 moving in space. Alex Crusoe was a big part of that. Avery Bradley, um, who else, who else am I not thinking of? But um, Danny Green. It was just to me like to me it was just like they did a really good job of picking part, apart what the Heat were doing. You had a good stat too that you just tweeted out. I don't want to make sure. I don't, I don't want to screw it up. But the Lakers scored, I think, on half of the possessions, half the forty possessions that they that they were defended. Thirty-two possessions of Got zone. It. They scored on sixteen. They went without points on sixteen. Eight of twelve in the third quarter, though. So twelve possessions. Miami played zone in the third quarter. Uh, the Lakers scored on eight of those, and they were. I think it was twenty of sixty-one possessions against man. So they were much more efficient against the zone, and and that is that's counterintuitive for a team that didn't make shots. They, you know, the the, the three-point shooting in the third quarter they're one of eight and yet they open the game up they outscore the heat by 10 in that quarter and they really break that zone up even without making threes I'm trying, that's an impressive thing to do i'm trying to decide how worried we should be about the three-point shooting because this was the worst performance of the year but there have been a lot of games already and we're only eight in where you've had sub 30 percent three-point shooting nights they haven't shot 40 percent for a game from three um yet um, and you know, part of that you can probably attribute to Kyle Kuzma, you know, taking a lot of shots and not making a lot since he's come back. But I mean, honestly, the only guy who made multiple threes tonight was LeBron, and I think you went through this already. But four of seven, and everybody else was much worse. Um, you need KCP knocking down shots. You need Quinn Cook making shots. Quinn Cook was shooting sub twenty percent going into that Bulls game. Um, you need I mean, you need Troy Daniels making threes. I mean, he was one of three tonight. Um, that is his skill that keeps him in the NBA. Yep. If he's not making, you know, if he's not making forty percent from three, I don't really know. Um, I don't know what he's, you know, what he's what he's offering you. Yeah, and you you also you don't you can't have Danny Green and Avery Bradley in a game that really matters somewhere down the line. They can't go two for nine yeah. combined. Danny Green's got to make shots. That's why he's here. I mean, he's a he's a great defender, but he's got to make three point shots. And Avery Bradley too. He's a great on the ball defender, but they need those guys to make some jump shots. LeBron James, we know this. It's a documented fact his teams are at their best when he's surrounded with guys who will make three-point shots because he creates so many both with what um you know what he draws defensively and then his ability to find you he's a he has great vision and he's a great passer three-point opportunities are going to be there they have to make these eventually i don't think we're at the stage where it's worrisome i think it's the thing you sort of look at and say this could be worrisome if you're trying to find what their weaknesses are that's the big one right now i just think it's surprising because the lakers made such a point of emphasis in the offseason to get shooters these are guys who they signed, who, I mean, it's, if you'd said one thing about the offseason, it's like, well, they at least certainly maybe overcorrected from their 
the offseason in 2018 when they didn't get shooting at all. They went out and, and, and really spent all their money on shooting. And, you know, the, the guys you just went through, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, uh, KCP, those are all guys who shoot a pretty reliable clip from three, yeah. you know, north of 35%, you know, at minimum. And Kyle Kuzma, you know, that, that's going to be an interesting one to watch because he worked on the three all summer. He is obviously a guy who's going to be putting up shots when he's in the game. That is what he is going to do on the floor. And if he's shooting, I mean, one for seven is obviously not going to, it's not is going to be the, a statistical. Is that his second straight one for seven? Was he one for seven against the Bulls? I mean. I think that might be right. One so, for seven or one for eight. If against the Bulls, I just was able to latch on to the, that corner three at the start of the fourth that kind of spurred that run and got him back in the game. So that was the only one I really remember. But I know that he was, it was, it was poor before that. And, and, and listen, like I've, I've written about, I've, I think that like Kyle Kuzma should get a really long leash. He has not played for a few months, but at the same time, like he also has to know his own limitations and find ways to affect the game and and affect the offense where he's not, you know, wasting possessions and and let, make, making them come up empty um, on a bunch of possessions where he's you know just shot hunting. So that is probably something that he needs to improve on until he does get his legs back. I don't know if thirty two is a bad number for them. Frank Vogel said they're taking a few too many bad ones. Still, I don't think thirty two attempts is awful for them. Eight makes and thirty two attempts is awful. But there is a there's a discrepancy there. They got to the free throw line eight times. They got to do more than that. They've got too many really good. I mean, they have two physically dominant players. Um, you know, LeBron shot two free throws tonight. Anthony Davis shot four. They can't. That can't continue to happen. And some of that is feeling each other out. Getting your you know players always talk about where are my shots coming from. What are my spots on the floor? As you get more comfortable with those things, you do tend, I think, to draw a little bit more contact. But that that's got to happen for them a little more. They got, I mean, you know, they, they controlled the game in a game where Miami took 24 free throws to their eight. Did, is the threes bad look? Like, it's not bad looks, right? I think they prim- I think they mostly got really good looks tonight. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to watch all of them yeah. um, before we came in here. I, I'm, because I'm writing about it, I was, I was watching every one of them. Most of them looked, you know, the NBA does the uh, closely guarded yeah. and, and open and wide open distinctions. I would guess that most of the shots they took tonight fall into that open okay. and wide open number. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you know it's it's one of those things where they have guys who are shooters by reputation and throughout their careers, so you do expect it to kind of yeah. balance itself out at some point. Um, but you know, I mean, at the same time, I mean, Avery Bradley, you know, his offensive, um, you know, acumen has fallen off since he left Boston. Uh, Danny Green was phenomenal in Toronto, shot forty five percent from three for the Raptors last year. But you go back to his last few years in San Antonio, his numbers weren't anywhere near that. And, you know, there's, there are things you can kind of look to that might explain a more troubling trend. But I think, like you said, eight games in, you can't, you can't worry about it. Um, Brett, the other thing, this team is now 7-1, um, is now seven and one, best record in the NBA. We haven't seen them lose in more than two weeks now. Is, are you, I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think coming in there was a enough, there was enough, um, reason to think that there would be a letdown game or you'd see something like does this game how, how does this game affect your buy-in on, on 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 what this team's doing well I don't know how much they look they were great defensively that's a that's a great defensive game um, as Anthony Davis pointed out and Anthony Davis makes a habit of pointing this out almost all the time they were coming on they were on a back-to-back Miami played last night and you know you you the idea and I've heard AD say this many many times you get into shooters' legs over the course of a game when they're on a back-to-back. You know, you can kind of wear them down a little. And I think there's some of that tonight. You know, the, Miami has a lot. Even though we talked about how good they've been, and they have been very good, 
They've got guys like Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero. Those guys haven't played a lot of minutes. This is still an adjustment for them, and they lean pretty heavily on some of those young guys. So I don't, I'm not taking anything away from what the Lakers are doing. All I say this all the time, but all you can do is beat the teams in front of yeah. you, and they're doing that. But uh, take tonight with a little grain of salt, I think, given Miami's situation. Yeah, and I think you know Miami, I think, has outplayed expectations yes. quite a bit this year. Um, this is, again, we just have to reiterate, we've talked about the schedule being favorable. I think Miami has represented one of the biggest challenges so far, but this is the this is the easier part of the schedule. And, you know, Toronto on Sunday, this is not the Raptors of a year ago. Well, it's and, not the Raptors of a week yeah, ago now because right. Kyle Lowry's not going to play. That's a good one, Brett. Um, <laughs> it's not, that, the, it's yeah. not the Raptors of several hours ago. I do, I do the jokes here. Um, but, I haven't heard Betty. That's because I'm very serious on the podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, th- I don't think there's any reason to ramble too long here. Uh, this has been a uh, a special post-game edition of Basketball Reasons, part of the, the Forum Club channel on the Athletics Podcast Network. Subscribe to The Athletic. Um, listen to podcasts from all your favorite NBA analysts, including my colleagues Brian and Andy Kamenetsky, host the, who host the Magic Hour every Monday. And, of course, uh, who else do we like to listen to? Listen to Jovan Buha, host of the Clippers podcast, Clip City, and uh, all your Go other check favorite. out the episode I was on last night. While, you know, while, you're just, while you're taking a tour of the podcast, just listen to me talk about the Clippers. Subscribe on iTunes, rate, review. That helps us out a lot. And we'll keep uh, doing this for you. We do basketball reasons every Thursday and periodically post-game when it makes sense. And okay, when I get a media pass. <laughs> when Sasha's at the game. So um, we, will, we will do this again soon. Thank you so much for listening.